Hi, everyone. I'm attorney Donna DiMaggio Berger, and this is Take It to the Board, where we speak condo and HOA. This is going to be the first episode of a two-part episode with Broward County property appraiser, Marty Kerr. Marty Kerr is the Broward County property appraiser serving 2 million residents of Broward County, Florida. Marty is a lifelong resident of Broward County. He is also an attorney whose path to public service began when he was appointed to the Town of Davie School Advisory Board, Town of Davie Airport Advisory Board, and the Broward County Housing and Finance Authority. Marty went on to serve as the assistant town attorney and assistant municipal prosecutor for the town of Davie. In 2006, Marty was elected to the Florida House of Representatives. He was re-elected to the House in 2008 and in 2010. In 2012, Marty was elected to the Broward County Commission and served two years as a commissioner, one year as vice mayor, and then mayor of Broward County. In 2016, Marty was elected to the office he now holds, which is the Broward County Property Appraiser. And I have to say at the outset, he's very popular Broward County Property Appraiser. So Marty, welcome to Take It to the Board. Oh, thank you so much, Donna. And thank you so much for having me on. I have to tell you, I've been looking forward to this all day. And I really appreciate that you work so hard keeping our community informed. You are awesome. I'm a big fan. So thank you very much. Back at you. It's a mutual admiration society. And like I said, you are very popular. Whenever I mention your name to anybody, first of all, everybody in Broward County and even outside Broward County knows you. Oh, oh Marty care of you. And I guess the other property appraisers should be looking and seeing what you're doing because oh. it's whatever it is, it's working. So I would oh. At the outset, let's start with the basics, Marty. Can you give us sure. an overview of what your office does? Sure. And that's such a great question. And I really appreciate, you know, like I said, everything you do. So our office is a great office. And first, I want to thank everybody that's out there because I've had the great privilege of serving in a number of capacities. As you mentioned, I got to serve in the Florida House of Representatives on the Broward County Commission as the mayor of Broward County. And now as our property appraiser. And I can tell you that all the jobs I've ever had, this one I love the most because you get to interact with everybody in the county and the nature of the job lets you help people. And I always tell people, I love serving in the legislature when you got to debate big issues, whether it's education or healthcare, but you were so far away from the people, you can always see everything take shape. On the county commission, Broward County is a huge place. More people live here than 13 states, the District of Columbia, and all U.S. territories except Puerto Rico. It is big. And when you serve on the county commission or as the mayor of the county, you're making the port better and the airport better and just making ourselves better as a regional power. But you are still so far away from the people, you can always get to feel and see all the things that you were doing. Property appraiser is a great job. It's very tangible. It's tangible in that you get to meet so many of the people you get to help. Every single day, you're helping people with their property. You're helping seniors and veterans. It's the type of job where you're doing constituent services basically all day, every day. So when you go home and you put your head in your pillow, you just feel good. And there are really a few main functions to our office. The first function is we determine the value of every piece of property in Broward County for tax purposes, whether it's residential, commercial, tangible, personal property, or centrally assessed property, which are railroads. And the reason that's important is because when the people of Broward County pay their property taxes, the amount of taxes they pay is a relationship between the value of the property that we set and the tax rates set by your local governments. So the higher the value of the property, the more taxes people pay, the lower the value of the property, the lower amount of taxes they pay. And the most important thing we want to do is just make sure we get it right. As I said before, Broward County is a big place. There are more parcels that we appraise and actually exist in many states. And I always tell people, please go on our website at bcpa.net. Type in your name, type in your address, take a look at your property record card. And if you're concerned with regard to the value of your property, give me a call. Let me go through it with you. And if we've made a mistake or you have information that we don't have, then let me take that information into consideration to see if we can bring down the value, which could bring down your property taxes. The second thing that we do, and this is what I love most about my job, is we give tax saving exemptions to people that qualify. 
And there are a lot of exemptions under Florida law that people qualify for. The most important one by far is the homestead exemption. If you live here in Broward County, it's where you're registered to vote, where you don't vote, where your declaration of domicile, where your car is registered to, you basically get a homestead exemption. What it basically means is $50,000 of values taken off the tax roll. You no longer pay taxes on, can save you at the beginning, 800, 900, maybe a thousand bucks a year. But most importantly, after you get that homestead exemption, every year thereafter, the value of your tax line cannot go up more than a maximum of 3%. And I just have to say that is so important right now because property values in Broward County are skyrocketing because people are coming from all over the country and they're making it their home. So if you have a homestead exemption, your market value may go up 20, 30, 40, 50%, but your homestead exemption can't go up more than 3%. But uh, let me, let me that, stop you right there, yes, Marty, for, because I know people are going to have questions about this. We get calls all yes. the time from clients in Broward County saying somebody's claiming this is their homestead and it's really not. So can you speak to that? For I mean, how long do you have to live here? We have a lot of snowbirds who come down. We have a lot of investment purchasers. And maybe they don't live in Broward County all the time. Maybe they're down here for four weeks out of the year. Does that qualify them for homestead? It depends. And I'll give you a few examples. (laughs) I did mention you were an attorney, so that it depends is a good answer. It is, absolutely. So what I've learned when you as property appraiser is that every single property in Broward County is unique and different. And what may work for one may not work for the other based on the facts and the laws they apply to that specific property. So here's the way it works with regard to qualifying for a homestead exemption and then all the other exemptions that people may qualify for. The homestead exemption is first. And so to qualify for a homestead exemption, you just have to make this your primary residence. Now, here's the thing. Florida case law has said you don't have to reside thereon. So as long as you don't have exemptions on any other property anywhere else in the world, you could potentially make a piece of property here, your homestead exemption, if you can show us that you intend to want to live there eventually and make it your primary residence. Now, we also have in our office a very big fraud division where we go throughout the county every single day and we crack down on people who are violating the rules. And let me give you an example of where somebody violates the rules. Under Florida law, like I said, you can only have exemptions on one property and that is a family unit. So a family unit is basically a married couple. So a married couple can only have exemptions on one property. They can't have exemptions anywhere else. So if somebody has an exemption somewhere else and then they buy a property here and they file for a homestead exemption, they're committing fraud. And so in that situation, what we do is we take away the illegal exemption, we back tax them up to 10 years, we include a 50% penalty and 15% interest, it can get pretty hefty. And so I always tell people, please don't commit fraud. You may be entitled to a homestead exemption, but you're only entitled to it if you don't have it anywhere else. Now, tell me, how do you find out, Marty, when they have it somewhere else? Tell me how you, unless somebody blows the whistle and contacts your office and say, we know this person has a homestead somewhere else, how would you find out that information? So there are a lot of ways that we find out. And so I can't really give away all of our secrets. Gotcha. Uh, But just know that they can find out people. Oh, yes. The people that work in our fraud division are all former law enforcement officials. And as a matter of fact, the person that runs it at one point was second in command of the Broward Sheriff's Office. And they are very, very good at finding out when people commit fraud. And to give you an idea, they put about $7 billion of value back on the tax roll that people weren't paying taxes on. We've actually back taxed and collected about $70 million and returned that to the public. But there are so many ways that we find out, to give you an example of one way that we found out you know, people are committing fraud. So every once in a while, uh, we'll work with the cities when it comes to cracking down on people committing homestead fraud. And so Hollywood, for example, a few years ago, provided us a list of everybody that was on the utility bills in Hollywood. And then we looked at those names and we also looked to see if they were homesteaded. And if there was a discrepancy there, basically meaning different names, then we would investigate it. And in many respects, there was a legitimate explanation, but there were many instances when we actually realized that the people didn't live there. It wasn't their homestead and we were able to actually take it away 
And, you know, and then they had to pay their fair share. So that's just one example, but there's a lot that we do. And I'm very proud of that division because at the end of the day, our fraud division is really there to protect the public and protect our taxpayer dollars to make sure that nobody can cheat the system. Of course. And I want to talk to you a little bit later about portability and homestead, but for purposes of talking about exemptions right now and how people can reduce their property taxes, what other exemptions? I know homestead's the big one, but what else is is out there? So homestead exemption is like the gateway exemption. You can have no other exemption unless you get that one first. And once you get that, there are a number of them. Some are very large and some are very small. And you can actually stack your exemptions to reduce your tax bill. And I'll give you the example. My favorite exemption by far is what's called the low-income senior exemption. And I like to bring that up because Broward County, again, is about 2 million people and about a third of our population are senior. And unfortunately, the most impoverished portion of our population on average, are also seniors. And I always believe if you can help a senior put a little bit more money in their pocket, they can live a little better of a life. And so if there is a senior that's 65 years of age or over on January 1st of this year, and they made under last year $32,561, and if they don't file income taxes, Social Security doesn't count. If they do file income taxes, they look for the adjusted gross income tax line of their income tax statement. If they meet that number, then they basically get another homestead exemption on top of the one they currently get. There are also a very large exemptions for long-term seniors that meet all those qualifications, but have been in their home for 25 years or more. And we have the market value of their home at the time of the initial application at 250000 or below. They're fully exempt from paying the county portion of the tax bill and in most of our cities, the city portion of the tax bill. You also have some very large exemptions for veterans. If somebody is a 100% totally permanently disabled veteran and their disability is, is all service connected, they're fully exempt from paying all property taxes. We have thousands of those American heroes who live in Broward County who pay no taxes. We also, if you're not 100% disabled, but you're combat disabled and over 65, then you don't get a full exemption, but you get a percentage reduction in your taxes that correlates to whatever your disability exemption percentage is. So if the VA says you're 50% disabled, 50%, 70%, 70%. If you're not combat disabled, not 100% disabled, but still a disabled veteran, you still get a large reduction in your taxes. There are also exemptions for widows, for people who are visually impaired, for people with disabilities, for people confined to wheelchairs. Some are income-based, some are not. And I always tell everybody, please go on our website at bcpa.net or web.bcpa.net. That's our other website. Click on exemptions. And if there's something you're not getting, you have all the way till September 19th of this year to call me, to email me, to come to our office or let us come to you. And you can sign up for all those exemptions that you qualify for, which would be reflected in your November tax bill. But it has to be done by this deadline, September 19th. Otherwise, they have to wait until the following year. As we're taping this today, we're taping this episode on August 15th. Trim notices have already gone out, right, Marty, to all the residents of Broward County. So what information is in those notices, in the trim notices? So trim notices are so important. And I always tell everybody over this next month, if you own property in Brayer County, if you're one of the 776,000 residents that own property in Brayer County or property owners, you're going to be getting a document from me in the mail, your trim notice, your truth and millage notice. It's not a tax bill. It's basically a document so you can make sure you don't overly pay in your property taxes. And it says a whole lot of different things and you should really read it thoroughly. The first thing it shows is the value of your property for tax purposes that we've set. It also shows all the tax-saving exemptions you're currently getting. It also shows the proposed tax rates your local governments are thinking about setting, and it shows the dates and times they're going to be discussing those tax rates, and it's going to show the proposed amount of property taxes you're going to be asked to pay for this fiscal year, and in almost all of our cities, it's also going to show your non-ad valorem, which is basically your fire fees and garbage fees, uh, so you can also address that with your city commissions as well. Please go through it all. And I tell everybody, if you have any concern with the value of your property, or you're not getting every tax saving exemption you're entitled to, the deadline, the drop dead deadline is September 19th, the contact our office. And if you do it by September 19th, 
and we can bring down your value, which could bring down the amount of tax you pay if it's your assessed value. Or if we can apply every tax saving exemption, that's great. If we can't, we'll let you know why we can't. And the other thing that's important is you can also file a petition with the value adjustment board by September 19th. So there's going to be somebody that's going to call me and they're going to be not happy with the value of their property. And I'm going to look at it and the data is probably going to show that it can't be reduced. There's nothing I can do under the law to bring it down, but they still may disagree with me. And so there is a great process. It's the value adjustment board process. It's a $15 filing fee. And the value adjustment board basically settles disputes between the property appraiser and the petitioner. And then what will occur is you'll get a hearing date. You can, I think, do it telephonically or you can come in and the special manager will hear the evidence. And then many times they'll actually reduce the value or give back maybe an exemption that we took away. So those are a few of the things you can do, but the right. September 19th is the drop dead deadline to contact. So, so let me ask you, have you ever had anybody say, Marty, I never got my trim notice and they missed yes. the deadline. So what, what do you do with them? Because they're sent out regular US mail, correct? Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you thought about going paperless? Do you email them also? Well, what we have to do under Florida law is everybody has to get a hard copy of their trim notice, you know, and uh, for the most part, and we'll get returns, things of that nature. But there are ways under the law that we can work with them potentially. And I'll give you an example. Let's say somebody doesn't file a petition by September 19th. They can then say, listen, I didn't file the petition with the property appraiser's office. I didn't file the petition because I didn't get my trim note. Well, that potentially could be good cause to allow them to file a petition. And then if they file a petition, which is only $15, then our office can actually work with them after that. So there are ways under the law for us to still be able to work with you when you can show, for example, good cause, like I never got my trim notice. So there are different things we can do in that. But you'd have to prove that. You can't just, I mean, you can't just say I didn't get the notice because I'm assuming most people get the notice. They do. You know, it's actually up to the value adjustment board attorney to make a determination as to whether or not good cause has been shown. And for example, if we made a mistake, if we make a mistake on the trim notice, then it allows us under the law to basically add on time, if that makes sense, to let us do it. So there are always ways. The one thing about this job is there are certain situations where I have no discretion and then some situations where I do have discretion. And for me, I always try to err on the side of the taxpayer. So I always tell everybody, if you have any concerns, if you miss the deadline, whatever it is, call me anyways. Let me see. Let me look at your property. Let me see if there's something I can do under the law. If I can't, I'll let you know. If I can, I always will. I'll have our lawyers look at it. I will take every step I possibly can to try to help you to see if I'm allowed to legally after September 19th. That's 2 million pieces of mail going out. I forgot to ask you at the outset, what's the size of your office staff? So it's not 2 million pieces of mail, but it's 776,000 pieces of mail. That's the amount of properties. Sorry, Uh, I'm thinking uh, every single person has. No, no, that's okay. (laughs) No, no, absolutely. So we have, uh, right now, we always have between 220 and 240 people in our office. Most of whom are- Wait, 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 say that again. Did you say 220 to 240 people in your office? Yes, we do. It's uh, So we have, like I said, a, a large office, but we also have a, a large county. We're basically doing a job that, you know, it's almost like doing a job in a state. And uh, the majority of the people that work in our office are appraisers. They're either residential appraisers or commercial appraisers, and they do a great job. We also have large customer service department because a lot of people come in our office every single day for us to help them or they call up. We also have a group called the MEET team, the Mobile Exemption Education Team. That's basically our office taking it, uh, our staff to the public. Because at the end of the day, it's not always easy for people to get to downtown Fort Lauderdale on a weekday from, you know, eight to five. So we take our office to the public. So I always tell everybody, go on our website at bcpa.net, click on our events, and you can see exactly where our staff's going to be meeting in your city. They go to 
thousands of events and they help people on the spot. We also have, of course, our legal department. We also have a data department where we process many thousands of deeds every single year. Uh, and actually our turnaround to processing deeds is about 48 hours, which is great. We also have our IT department, which runs things. And so there's a, it's just, it's a very large office, but I always tell this, the sheriff's office has 6,000 employees. So we're way okay. smaller. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a well-oiled machine. So let's assume you've got a taxpayer, got the trim notice in time. Yes. The actual tax bills go out in November though, right? With a sliding they scale do. for discounts. So can you just yes. explain what the discounts are and when a payment sure. is considered delinquent? So I always tell everybody, well, first is if you have a mortgage on your property and you're uh, in escrow, your mortgage company, I have never seen them not do this, will always pay in November. Because if you pay your tax bill in November, it's you get a 4% discount. So that's basically 4% off your property tax, which is a pretty significant amount of money. Then if you pay in December, it's a 3% discount. And then in January, it's 2%. And then in February, it is a 1% discount. And then your tax bill is due in March. If you don't pay, you'll be delinquent. And then what occurs is a certificate is sold on your property. It's a tax certificate. Basically, it's an investor that is going to pay off your property taxes. And what happens is that certificate is going to run for two years. And uh, the homeowner that didn't pay their taxes is going to have to pay basically the certificate of off, which is all the taxes and the interest accruing on the certificate. If that's not paid in two years, then it actually goes to a sale. What occurs is that's when people come and they buy the property as is. And then what occurs is the first thing that's paid off is the certificate holder for the reimbursement of the taxes and the interest that's accrued on the certificate. And then anything left over goes to the prior homeowner. And then the, somebody has the property as their own as is. So always please pay your taxes on time. It's very important because it can also really help you save money because at the end of the day, you're going to have to pay your tax bill. If you don't, you're going to owe more than what you currently own because that interest is occurring on the certificate. And after a couple of years, you could be in danger of losing your property. So it has to be a priority, people. Make sure you yes. pay your taxes because it's yes. the same thing as not paying your association. They can foreclose. Yes. When you don't pay your taxes, you're going to get a tax a certificate that's sold and you will lose your property. So a big part of this, you know, this podcast, Marty, is take it to the board, like take it to the board, yes. to the condo or the co-op or the HOA board. Yes. And your office values all these properties. When it comes mm -hmm. to condo and co-op units in particular, how do you determine valuation for those units? Like, does the type of community and the type and variety of amenities factor into it? Or are you just looking at the four walls in terms of valuation? So I'll tell you how we value all these properties. So the first thing that everybody needs to know is that we value property on January 1st of the tax year. That's what we call our date of assessment. So when your tax bill comes out in November, it's what did your property look like on January 1st of 2022? That's the value that we're looking at. And we determine that based on the data from the previous year. Now, the easiest way to determine a value for a property is when there has been an arm's length transaction the year before. So basically, if you bought that property, the subject property the year before, and we determine that that was a legitimate price for the property, basically an arm's length transaction that a willing buyer would pay a willing seller, that's really going to be the base value for the property that when we determine its assessed value. Now, if it is property that is has not changed hands, existingly owned property, we value it based on all the comparable sales from the year before. So when you're dealing with co-ops are a great example, condos, townhomes, 
single family homes, any residential parcel, what we do is we look at all the similar properties to yours. We see what they sold for and we adjust them for square footage to meet your property to determine a value. That's how we do it. And I always tell everybody, we're not fee appraisers, we're mass appraisers. We don't know what the inside of your property looks like. We don't know what your kitchens look like, your bathrooms look like. We really know the size and the location. And it's those properties from the year before that help us determine what the value of your property is going to be this year, at least the market value. Now, when it comes to income producing properties, that we do a little bit differently. So let's say you have a mall. If you have a mall, that produces income. And so you first can use comparable properties if you can see other malls that have sold that were similar. But then you could also use the income that that mall has produced to determine a value for the mall. And every single year, people will come in and they'll say, okay, Marty, this was our net operating income from last year. This is our vacancy rate. We'll go through the entire thing. And that can really give us an idea of what the value for that property would be as well. The other third way that we determine the value of property, there's no comparable sales and you it's not income producing property and the property is so unique that there's nothing like it. We can use what's called the cost approach. Basically, we can figure out what it costs to build it from the ground up to actually determine a value for the property. Those are really our three approaches to value. But what I always tell everybody, again, January 1st, our date of assessment. And again, when you get your trim notice, take a look at the value of your property, whether it is commercial property or residential property. If you have any concern, please call me. I'd love to take a look at it. So let's talk about the comps. When you reference comps, let's take a typical condo or cooperative mid-rise or even a high-rise. Are you looking at only comparable sales in that particular building or what about neighboring buildings? So you want to get the most exact sale that you possibly can. And so usually if you have a condo building, sales within that building that are the same square footage, for example, maybe face the same way, let's say they're looking over the ocean, those would be the best to really give you an idea to figure out the value of the property. But that's not always going to be the case. So what you do is you then keep on going out. If you don't have any sales there, you keep moving out, 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 and you try to find sales that can justify the value for that property. And that's really important to note because an appraisal is an opinion of value. And there will be people that'll get their trim notice, go on our website, and they're going to call me and they're going to say, you know, Marty, I understand why you valued my property this way, because that's what these comparable sales showed. However, I have other sales that maybe you missed that are even better and more accurate for my property, or my property is different than those sales. Mine's dilapidated, that's water damp, all that stuff. And I'll always say, okay, well, show me what information you have. And if it's information we can use to bring down the value of their property, we always will. So I guess to make a long story short, you know, you want to stay as close as you can as possible and you keep on moving out. And sometimes you actually have to go out of the county to find sales in some very unique situations. Well, this is so interesting to me because I just posted, you know, there's a number of smaller co-ops, let's say, you know, buildings that only have 10 units, 12 units, 30 units, and they've been selling, you know, developers have really been going after these buildings in the geographically desirable areas. So maybe we have a smaller building next door that sold and developer paid well over fair market value for those units. I just posted about one in Tequesta that closed a few days ago. I think the sales last year ranged from 415000 to 818000 And each of those 39 owners walked away with $2.5 million for their units. Now, if I have a unit in the building next door and it's very small and there's been no sales in my building, does the fact that the people next door sold at that high premium, is that going to impact my value in my co-op next door? It very much could. So, and that's why I always tell everybody, you know, 
What we're trying to do, again, is just get the most accurate value possible for all properties in the county. And the situation like that, if those properties were similar next door and they sold for that high amount, that could definitely impact the value of your property. And so that's why I always tell everybody, if you have any concerns with the value of your property, give me a call because I really would like to look at it. It's very, very important. And it's very important right now in particular, because as you know, properties are selling for very high amounts. You know, people are coming, as I said at the beginning, from all over the world and they're making Brera County their home. And what I've noticed lately is that so many of the buyers are from states where they have income tax, where they're paying a ton of money in income taxes. They want to get out of there and they come here to our low taxing county and they want to make Brera County their home and they're paying a lot more money now than they were before. But that's why I always tell everybody, if you have any concerns with your property, call me. We want to go through it with you. I'll never raise the value on you unless you ask me to. Uh, I'll only bring it down. And it's very possible that by, if we can bring down your market value, that it could bring down your assessed value, which could bring down your property taxes. So getting back to that example where I have a smaller building and the building next door just sold to a developer, you know, triple, quadruple fair market value. My experience is that sometimes people aren't entirely motivated in terms of looking at the trim notices, you know, reaching out to your office and saying, hey, I think the valuation is wrong, which is why associations under Florida law have the ability to file a single petition on behalf of all their owners. Does that happen very often in your experience? It does. It absolutely does. So, you know, we have this year, there'll be many thousands of petitions filed with the Value Adjustment Board. And you'll have consolidated petitions like that, where you have it done on a, on a number of different parcels. Uh, you'll also have people filing individually. And I encourage people to do it. The first thing I encourage people to do, though, is read the term notice. If they don't, go on our website. But meet with us before September 19th. You know, I always want to meet with you. And that's what I try to tell everybody. As the property appraiser, my goal is not to make you pay more in taxes. I want to see if I can figure out a way to bring down your assessed value so you can pay less in taxes. And And if I can, I always will. And so please use us as a resource. Come down, sit down with us. We'll even take our office to you if you want us to do that. I want to go through that with you because at the end of the day, people should only pay on their fair share. They shouldn't pay too much and they shouldn't pay too little. They need to pay exactly what they owe. But there will also be, of course, uh, a lot of people filing lots of petitions this year. And I encourage that as well because, again, that does a couple things. Not only does it give you the opportunity to go before a special magistrate to be able to argue your case as to why your value should be reduced. But also, if there's a petition filed, it gives our office the opportunity to work on the matter after September 19th as well. So we can keep on working on it. And like I said, if I can help you, I'm going to do it. Will the Value Adjustment Board take into consideration subjective criteria, Marty? For instance, again, I'm getting back to terminations because we're going to see so many of those, I believe, in light of the new condo safety law and that, you know, a lot of people living in these older coastal multifamily buildings, they're just not prepared for the amount of money it's going to take to continue to do maintenance and repair and replacement project. So I'm in that co-op. Okay. And on either side, the buildings have sold out. Okay. They're getting knocked down. New high rises are going up, but I come to you and I say, look, we have people on fixed incomes. We're never going to sell Marty. (laughs) So even though every, every unit on either side of us has gone for millions of dollars, we are never going to sell. Do you take that kind of subjective criteria into account? So we have to take uh, professionally accepted appraisal practices. That's what we have to use when it comes to determining the value of property. And really, at the end of the day, it's based on the data. And we can't, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where there are a lot of things where I'm given discretion, 
but some things I'm not. And if the sales show that something is supposed to be valued a specific way, I have to use those sales that way. Now, maybe there are other sales, like I said, that were missing. Maybe there's information about the inside of somebody's parcel that can help us bring it down. We need to have data to be able to do it. Uh, and every single year, we provide all of this data to the taxing authorities. That's what they set their tax rates on. And to the Department of Revenue, which determines uh, whether or not we should have uh, our tax roll is a good. Uh, it was approved recently. But if we didn't use the data, the actual data that was there and made it more subjective, then our tax roll wouldn't be approved and uh, everything would go haywire. So it's really based on, on the actual information. I hope people listening back this up and play this again, because I see the arguments being made now with these terminations and the potential ripple effect they may have, but we'll see. You mentioned a few minutes ago, Marty, about commercial properties. Well, actually revenue producing properties. And we talked about like a mall, a restaurant, even the office building I'm I'm sitting in. But what about residential properties, units that are, you know, owned by an LLC, they were purchased as an investment, they engage in short-term rentals, they are producing revenue. Is there a different valuation when you're dealing with that kind of property? There's not for residential properties. It would be very, very difficult to value, you know, short-term rentals based on the income approach. It's really hard to do it. So basically any residential property is really going to be a comparable sale type of valuation. Now, your assessed value, though, can also depend on the ownership. You just kind of mentioned this. So let's say, for example, somebody owns a property and it's their primary you know, resident. They don't rent the property out. It's basically there. They have their homestead exemption. Their market value can get very high, but their assessed value is going to be capped. Now, let's say you have that same person that rents out the property. Uh, let's say for 30 days per year for two consecutive years or more than six months a year, they will not get the benefit of the 3% homestead cap. If you have a LLC that owns a property, an LLC cannot have a homestead exemption. And so just like where it's not their homestead, they get the benefit of what's called the 10% cap. So what that basically means is if you are an LLC or it's a non-homestead property, the value of tax on can't go more than 10% except for the school portion of the tax roll. Still a cap, but it's a uh, broader cap. Can a trust obtain the the homestead exemption? It can. A trust can definitely obtain a homestead exemption. It all depends on who the beneficiaries of the trust are. For example, people all the time, they'll have their homestead exemption and it maybe would have been in effect for a long time. And they've accumulated a lot of that save our homes value they don't pay taxes on because of the assessment cap. They then want to turn into a trust, you know, for you know, for protection purposes for their their beneficiaries. They're able to do that. They call our office. They don't lose their homestead exemption. They don't lose the value they weren't paying taxes on. They automatically can do it. But what I always tell everybody is if you're thinking about making any ownership change to your property, whether it's turning into a trust, change it to an LLC, adding somebody to the deed, call our office first. We're here to help. I'm an elected official and everybody that works for us, they're all public servants. We want to give you good guidance and help. You can talk to our lawyers, you can talk to me, and we'll listen to what your facts are. And we'll basically say, okay, if you make this change, this is what's going to happen to the assessed value of your property. This is what you can do. This is how you can do it. We'll give guidance, we'll give advice, and then people can take that and they can make the best decision for themselves. I think this is a good place to stop. Please be sure to join me for episode two, where I continue my conversation with Broward County property appraiser, Marty Kerr. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to follow and rate us on your favorite podcast platform or visit TakeItToTheBoard.com for more ways to connect. 